Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Everybody and welcome to an emergency edition of Tunnel Vision, show brought to you by uscfootball.com. I'm your host, Keely Orr, joined by Ryan Abraham and Shotgun Spratling. We're having an emergency episode because Clay Helton has been relieved of his duties as USC's head football coach. A day that I don't think we expected coming on today. I guess, guys, first off, overall reactions. Yeah, crazy. So this is the second emergency I've done in the past like 48 hours, the emergency <laughs> podcast at four in the morning or whatever after USC losing to Stanford. So many questions came up. We did tunnel vision last night, had a bunch of radio stuff uh, scheduled for today, and then move, boom, everything blows up this afternoon. They yeah. send out that email, send the tweet. Little, I mean, I think we all felt that this was going to be it uh, for Clay Helm, that this was going to be his last year. Didn't know what the timing was going to be. Did they want to do something early? USC has fired its last three head coaches now, middle of the season. Not something you want to do all that often, but now, you know, it's, it's been the situation. But to happen after two games of the regular season, and we heard from Clay Hill, it's only game two, it's only game two. Well, he's not going to see game three. So I thought this was inevitable. You just knew it was going to happen. But my gut was it was going to be, uh, you know, maybe they go on the road and lose to Washington State. You can fire them then or wait for the bye week. Uh, but I, I give USC the administration credit. You know, yep. they, 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 had, they had the call they wanted to make, and they made it. And uh, you know, they were they were criticized heavily for waiting as long as they did. But I, I take rightfully them, so, rightfully so. But I take them at their word that they did try to improve everything around. And so now you have improved everything around, and it's a better landing spot for whoever the next head coach is going to be. But you know, you can't lose to a pretty bad, which I still think is pretty bad, Stamper team the way you did, down 29 points in the fourth quarter. You had a great atmosphere in the Coliseum, and everybody left. And you know people were not going to show up for the Oregon State game. And that's – fan apathy, I think, is the number one thing. If you're a, a you know athletic administrator, you want to get the fans excited. If they're passionate and they're calling you, telling you, hey, we want this, we want this, at least they're into it. When they become apathetic and they're like, I'm checking out until he's gone – 
that just kept happening. That's been happening for years. We get it on our website. You know, we yep. get it on these shows. Um, you know, there's a reason why there's 800 something people watching live right now because there's actually something for them to be excited about. Where for for years it seems like a lot of the fans weren't excited because. Clay, you know, oh, you signed a five-star guy. Clay Helton's the head coach. Like it was, that was the answer to everything. Ad nauseum, yep. Yeah. So I think this is hope for the fans. They, they've been waiting for this a long time. I give the administration credit for doing it the way they did. I didn't think this would happen this way, uh, but here we are. Shotgun, your thoughts? Keely and I actually did film study this morning, and she left, and I was working on some other stuff, and suddenly it's like Helton fired. I was, What's going on? I was on the road, literally like five minutes away from leaving his house. And I was, because I've been on, for some reason, I had an idea that maybe this would happen relatively soon. I thought there were, might have been a, a short leash. So I had tweet alerts set up. I had everything ready. And I was like, you know what? I should probably just check what this alert is. And it was a tweet from Mike Bone. <laughs> and it was the alert, which was crazy. The interesting thing was to me is once he made it through that Sunday press conference, you're like, okay, I, I think he's going to make it through the week. Yeah. Um, you felt maybe it could happen on a Monday, but with USC traveling, it's going to be a short week. It just didn't seem like the right time. And I actually said to, to these guys on, on Sunday, I said, you know, if they don't play well against Washington state, even if they win, could that be it? Yeah. I thought that might be, you know, because then you have Oregon state coming up. You can see that as a potential win for the interim. So you can build some momentum going forward. Um, and USC, they wasted no time. They went ahead and made the decision. So a little bit surprising to, to see it on a Monday, you know, thought maybe if it was going to happen, it would have happened yesterday. Instead, you know, the news comes out and, you, you know, now USC has to move forward, which will be interesting, naming yeah. Dante Williams the, the interim, interim head, head coach, coach. Yep. and, uh, you know, where they can go from here because, you know, they've still got to fix a lot of things, but still a lot of talent, still an easy schedule, still potential oh, yeah. to have a really good season. Well, here's the interesting thing about the timing. It was a loss to a North team. So USC, quote-unquote, still controls their destiny in the South. They yeah. can still end up in the Pac-12 championship. But now that you fired Clay Helton, you don't have the situation where you could get to the Pac-12 championship and still have him and be, and be looking at, like, what do we do with our head coach even though these games did not look the greatest? Because that was that was the scenario we predicted. Yeah, I think it's happened before. You know, when, when Clay Helton was made the, you know, the – went from interim to full-time from Pat Hayden, they sort of picked the moment. Like, they wanted to hire him. They picked that moment when USC beat UCLA. And like, okay, we're going to name him the head coach right now. And then they lost, like, five of their next six games. Like, you know, and it, yeah. it just went downhill fast. And But you kind of picked the peak moment. And this was a peak moment as far as as far as peak, the reverse peak. There, it was a low moment in USC football history, certainly in, you know, in USC Clay Helton tenure. And so they the administration struck when the iron was hot. It was weird that the, he did the press conference Sunday night because it's one of those things where if you know you're going to do this, do you want to trot out the you know, uh, you know the, the head coach out there to do a press conference? Uh, we've seen weird, you know, scenarios like that before where you're like, uh, I don't know what the you know even the the Lane Kiffin tarmacking thing that everyone makes fun of. I mean, part of the reason was Lane Kiffin was like calling a meeting apparently at USC where they were going to go back to campus and he was going to have a meeting with the team, and they're like, no, we're not letting this happen. We're just firing him now. So it's one of those things. Well. Could you have done it like an hour earlier or something on Sunday and then he doesn't have to do the press conference or what? But I guess maybe in that case, you know, it wouldn't if they didn't want to get out in time, they wanted to address the team. Uh, so that was one weird last kind of thing in a, a long and weird tenure for Clay Helton as USC's head coach. Yep. Now, 
as I mentioned, we're having a normal tunnel vision, but it's an emergency vision. <laughs> emergency vision. Uh, so no calls today, but please put your comments, questions, concerns in the chat box, whatever you're watching, Facebook, YouTube, or Periscope. We'll be sure to try and look at them. There's a lot of questions coming in, so we'll be sure to try and get to those when we can. Uh, but like Shotgun mentioned, Dante Williams is the interim head coach. I saw a mixed review on social media. I think it's a very interesting move and a smart move to make Dante Williams uh, the interim head coach. You have uh, a recruiting tie, a guy who is very valued in this program. I know USC's admin really likes Dante Williams, and now you you give him kind of the credit he deserves and has a good and have a good foundation to kind of settle this team on going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think USC had some candidates, right? You could have gone with. Uh, Mike Jenks, who was actually the head coach for a couple of years at Bowling Green. Uh, Graham Harrell was the name that was talked a lot, but it's not like his, you know, when he was scoring a whole bunch of points and that, you know, getting a lot, the offense looked great. You're like, oh, he's a future head coach. The offense doesn't look great right now. Like, you know, promoting him didn't make a lot of sense. Todd Orlando is a defensive coordinator. Do you want him to take that over? He hasn't been a head coach either. Uh, you could have Sean Snyder was someone that was up for the Kansas State job. But I like Dante Williams because this is a scenario where you're like, look, Whoever we put in here is not going to be the permanent head coach. We are going to do a national search and find the head coach. But you pick the guy that's been the recruiter of the year, someone that relates to these players very well. A lot, you know, most of that young talent on the roster, Dante Williams' hands are on it. And uh, I feel like him being there, you want someone that's going to galvanize his team and bring them together. You're not looking for the future guy. You're looking for someone that who, which, who the player is going to react to and love and and I think Dante Williams is one of those guys. So I think, it's a, I think it's a good move as well. I feel like he has the respect of everyone in that locker room. I mean, he's recruited a ton of these kids. You know, he's very uh, relatable with them. He has great relationships with everyone on the team. And I think that there's some culture issues in that locker room right now. And I think that needs to be fixed. And I think yeah. he's probably the best choice for that. Um, you, you know, just because he relates to everyone. It doesn't feel like it's offense versus defense or it's this position group versus this position group or this group of guys versus the, he just, everyone likes him. Um, so I think that, that that makes potentially can clear that up. And I think that potentially that brings the team together. And what you hope for the team is they take this, this firing and say, and this loss on Saturday and say, Oh, it's gotta be us against the world. And they rally together Similar to what that was a 2013 team did when Lane Kiffin was fired. Ed Orgeron came in and it made some changes that really uh, galvanized the group, really energized the yeah, group. Brought back cookies. Cookies for an <laughs> offensive lineman is always a, a good thing there. I don't know it's always the best thing for them, for their, their future. But, um, but So we'll see if Dante Williams makes some small adjustments. We'll see when we get to practice tomorrow. You know, We'll see what things are different, if things are in the same. You know, It's going to be tough for him. You know, He has... Basically, twenty four hours to like, okay, put it in practice plan. Do you want to change yeah. things? You know, it, it's it's going to be a heavy burden for him, but while also still carrying the stick for recruiting, and that's the thing is, people always wonder about the you know the, the December signing period, and people are getting fired earlier and earlier in seasons. Two, the second week of the season is really early, pretty early. Mm -hmm. But Dante's your lead recruiter, your number one recruiter. He's the recruiter of the year for the Pac twelve for the couple years he's yeah. running. Um, so, and he has a good chance that the administration will want to keep him around. I mean, they gave him the pay bump. They gave him the associate head coach title coming into the season. So regardless of who the coach comes in, I think he's a guy that they may want to keep around so he can still sell everything and he doesn't worry about, he may not be worrying about looking over his shoulder like someone else maybe. Yeah. Like if Graham Harrell was put in, 
you know, Graham Harrell might be looking over his shoulder because now he's coaching for his job, but also his next job because yeah. whoever the head coach that comes in, is he going to want to run an air raid system? Because we've gotten a lot of those questions. Is the, the air raid done? It depends on who the coach comes in. Yeah. You know, and if they have a really good relationship with Graham Harrell, maybe he sticks around. Who knows? So I think the culture thing is important and Dante Williams can fix it. You know, we've all heard rumblings about issues that have been in that locker room with, you know, whatever favoritism or just accountability groups versus other groups. You got to, you know, there's a big Texas contingency versus, I mean, we've just heard so many things. And to me personally, I felt like, okay, those are, those are problems that will probably pop up when you're playing the better teams where if the locker room isn't, you know, completely united or whatever, like, ah, oh, you play Utah and they're, they're pretty good this year. That could bite you. You go on the road to play Notre Dame. Didn't expect it against Stanford at home, but obviously problems were even worse than we thought. I mean, there's, yeah. there's some serious problems going on there. Body language didn't look good. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of issues. And I feel like if you're Dante Williams, you fix that and you're going to fix a lot of the problems on this team. Yeah, Shotgun, you and I have been on the sideline for the entirety of Clay Hilton's era, or at least as head coach. And the one thing that we always said was that the players never quit. They always rooted for Clay and fought for him on the field, but it just felt different on Saturday. And we kind of talked about it during the game and afterwards. It just felt like you could see the body language in the fourth quarter. It was just different. And we were kind of wondering on Tunnel Vision on Sunday, how do you keep that going? How do you how do you keep that momentum going forward when the Coliseum is booing your head coach? It just seems like it would be a hard thing to do to keep that culture in the locker room. And so, I mean, this is, seems like the obvious answer, of course, but what are you expecting going forward? Yeah, I mean, it was a demoralizing loss and it really affected the players. It, it wasn't just, you know, someone that – it wasn't Alabama coming in as a number one team coming in and, and wiping you. It was – a Stanford team that had gotten whooped the last week against Kansas State, yeah. who's not that great themselves. So, you know, it was very demoralizing. And then even the fans and a lot of the players, especially, I mean, more than half this roster is has come to USC in the last two years. And none of those people have played in front of USC fans before yeah. uh, or had USC fans booing them. They did play before them last week. But so I think it was really demoralizing to them. And the body language wasn't good. There were some things said on the sideline that weren't weren't great. Um, so I think Dante Williams can come in and can bring accountability. And if you talk to any of the cornerbacks, you know, his position, they all – like Chris Steele, Isaac Taylor Stewart, during the, the fall, you ask him, okay, well, who's going to be starting beside you type of thing? Like, well, I don't have a starting spot. You know, Dante makes it clear that, you know, you have to earn it every day in practice and everything. And, and I think if he brings that to the entire team, I think that helps the culture because I think that's one of the things that a lot of um, a lot of the rumblings have been, that just people aren't – happy about they don't think that everything is being earned so we'll see where they go from here Stuart Mandel from The Athletic had an interesting tweet do you remember the first game Clay Helton coached as the permanent head coach Stanford. oh that was Stanford blowout, blowout lost to Stanford in the Pac-12 championship that was game. the McCaffrey game with the angle route which was very similar to the one on Elijah Juan Tucker it was very similar to the one that they ran right before halftime is that the Justin Wilcox we heard in the no that was yeah. a different or was that a different year no that, that was, was the, the Pac-12 championship yeah we game, were yeah. like in the press box and Justin Wilcox <laughs> and the defensive staff were right next like I was right on the edge there's a wall and they're on the other side of the wall you could hear a lot (laughs) a lot of adult language coming from the other side as christian mccaffrey ran all over usc well anyway that was his first game his last game another blowout loss to stanford so kind of bookend by the cardinal there wow now, Ryan, you have, weirdly enough, been through this multiple times oh, where sure. USC has made a midseason firing. What are you expecting for this week of practice? 
it's going to be interesting. Like you're talking to people around the program, like when Steve Sarkeesian, uh, you know, talked recently with people like, you know, Steve Sarkeesian didn't show up for a weekend practice because, yep. you know, the, the issues that he had, there's stuff like that. It's just like, you get to practice. You're like, the head coach is not here. This is very weird. Um, you know, the tarmac for, for Lane Kiffin. You're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Uh, we've seen interim coaches. I mean, Clay Hilton did it twice himself. Um, you know, we saw Ed Orgeron. Now we're going to see Dante Williams, who's first African-American head coach at USC. So congratulations to him. Um, you know, I like the culture that the defense has showed, and I feel like we might see some differences in practice. One of the things that Clay Helton was done is just sort of like there's a formula that you go with and like, this is what we do. And uh, if you had something, you know, if someone was that needs to be disciplined, you do something afterwards. But if it's in practice and like, hey, this drill isn't going well, run it again, do this, we're going to do Like, you don't see any of that. I'm curious if Dante Williams will do something like that. And I'm curious if they hit more. There's more live drills there in practice. But if it's going to be a more physical practice with you got someone coming over from the defensive side, the weirdest thing, guys, is going to be we go to practice tomorrow. The end of practice, we usually hear from Clay Helton. We have Dante Williams, who normally doesn't talk until Wednesdays. He's going to be addressing the meet, I assume, uh, so as, as the head coach. Yeah. He'll be like, okay, so <laughs> what does he say? Is he going to be like, happy Tuesday, everybody? Is he going to say the same kind of stuff Clay does or do completely different? I don't know. That It's going to be – we're going to watch. I mean, it's going to be amazing to watch. It's Dante going to be, Dante's yeah. going to be himself. Yeah. I mean, that, I, that's who he is always. And uh, one of the comments we got in the thread was, I don't care if Dante's well-liked or loved, this team doesn't need to like their coach. They need to be disciplined, and Dante will find out he can't be their buddy anymore. The thing is, though, Dante is respected. Isn't it just that they're buddies with him? Yeah. yeah. Everyone respects him. He coaches really hard on the, those cornerbacks, and I'm sure he's going to be coaching them really hard after the game that they just had. Um, but they all respect him still. Um, you, you know, it's it's not – screaming at, at them all the time it's it's building them up and put it you know tearing them down when they need to be tearing torn down and building them up when they need to be built up it's not a constant just buddy buddy type of thing so uh, don't don't get it uh twisted on the way dante is around the players it's, it's not that that type of relationship i don't yeah. think yeah now when talking about the new administration in the athletic department, Mike Bone and Brandon Sosna, we kept saying that they were making good changes behind the scenes. And yet USC fans, their only complaint, their only response was, but what about Helton? They haven't done that with Helton. And now that move has been made. What do you make of this new admin, Ryan? Because this is the first regular season loss that this admin saw. And they made the move. I mean, it was an embarrassing move. And, and they kind of, this statement, week two, says they are not accepting this for USC football. I think they've heard plenty of stories, right? Uh, you know, and, and we talked about, I think on Sunday or the you know, Sunday show when Brandon Sosna shows up, his first game is that holiday bowl. It's just ugly loss. And you're like, that's a pretty good, uh, you know, that's a kind of typical USC game that you would see where they're like, yeah, they should have lost that game. And they did. And we understood, I think, some of the circumstances coming out of Heritage Hall, why you couldn't make the move then. I didn't always agree with them. And I think, you know, you could have done it and you probably would have, you certainly would have prevented a, a you know, a midseason firing this year, but you know, they had their reasons and for them to, you know, th I think they knew they needed to go in another direction with the head coach, but they gave Clay Helton more opportunities. But when they were doing that, they also tried to improve the athletic department and the football team as a whole. And I get that strategy because now doing a coaching search, today in 2021, as opposed to in 2018, the infrastructure wasn't going to be great around there. And if a head coach comes in, you're like, oh my God, you're doing this, you're doing this. So I think all that stuff that was bad, they've tried to fix all that, which makes sense. But in the meantime, you were giving 
this head coach, plenty of resources around you. So everything around Clay Helton was better. And then you shouldn't have lost this game. So it to me, it points to that obviously, you know, the culture is going to come from the head coach. You can hire the best assistants in the world. Uh, you know, if you have a whole bunch of sous chefs that are, you know, Michelin star rated and you have a, a you know, a fry cook at the, the head coach, it, the, the product's probably not going to be that good. So Might they have knew, some really good fries, though. Yeah, they can make some great fries. <laughs> you know, like breakfast real good and all that <laughs> scrambling. But yeah, so I feel like, Keely, that's what we're seeing here is. They did, they put in a yeoman's effort to fix everything around them. And like I said on Sunday, like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And and they gave Clay Helton a, you know, a river full of water and he just wasn't able to drink from it. And I think the, one of the most interesting things in the statement that Mike Bone put out was saying that he said the past two off seasons, we provided every resource necessary for our football program to compete for championships. The added resources carried significantly increased expectations. Um, and it's already evident that those expectations wouldn't be met with the current leadership. So I think that they really said, hey, we're going to try to give you everything we can. And then they said, all right, we'll give it a shot. Yeah. And then Saturday they said, that shot ain't no, this it ain't isn't. working. And I, and I don't know if you guys agree or not, but like I think this administration comes in. I think they, they're taking their job seriously. I think they felt like they – I mean – I mean, anyone could have come in and look, look at the department and go, wow, this is a mess. And we've been saying that for years. Yeah. And they saw it. And then I think they identified, you know, low-hanging fruit at first. They fixed whatever they could do. Hey, San Jose State instead of uh, UC Davis. Hey, let's have a real grounds crew take care of our football field instead of the guy that cuts the lawn at the, the library. Like, stuff that you look at and you're like, this is dumb. Why is this happening? But it was happening at USC. And it's, you know, baffling, baffling that it was. But I feel like they took pride in their work. And yeah. everything they did was something like, yeah, man, like, just watch. We're going to make this a successful program. Like, you, I know you guys don't have faith in Clay, but we've made everything better. And Clay sort of let them down by saying, like, man, we we gave everything to you. And all you got to – it's like you get the handoff at the one, and there's a great block, and all you got to do is, like, cross the goal line, and you weren't able to do it. So I feel like – I haven't talked to them yet, but you feel like some of the administrations feel like – they, you know, like they were really let down because they put so much effort into this. They made the environment on Saturday great. They made some changes that might not have been popular, but it was a cool thing that was going on. All you got to do is beat a pretty bad team, and you weren't able to do that. And so, and I just kind of felt like that's what's going on with the administration right now. Well, it also says a lot that they were still putting in their best effort, effort, or at least it seems like they were when they were essentially getting bullied by USC fans day in and day out oh, to yeah. fire Helton. I mean, absolutely bullied. Like if my mentions were in their mentions, I was seeing some of the things that they were getting and it was just brutal. I mean, none. and so to keep doing their job, despite that, I think they deserve credit for that because it, it wasn't a, a friendly atmosphere. I'll say that. No. And I'll let, Let's look at this, you know, realistically. For the people that were out there going, oh, USC is going to beat Stanford. They're going to give them a three-year extension and all that <laughs> stuff. Like, there was a lot of dumb stuff going on. Like, look, I, I get that the USC administration has been dumb in the past, but you don't – I don't think that's going to happen. If if he goes nine and three, they're not going to give him a, a, an extension and all that stuff. The fact that they were able to fire him after two games, what does that tell you? Is that all the people are like, they love Clay Hill. They want to stick him around. Like, obviously not. Like, they – <laughs> this tells me that they would have fired him three years ago or two years or whatever. Like they would have pulled the trigger if they felt it was feasible. So th this means to me, like they were ready to do this. They, they had a press release ready probably for 24 months or whatever it is, but they had to wait for the right time. And then they determined this was the right time. I, I think that's what USC fans should take away from this, that the, Mike Bone and Carol Fultz didn't come in just because they got game balls and stuff. And they're like, Oh, we're going to keep Clay Helton forever. Cause he gives us game balls. Like, yeah, and that was kind of and how weird is that too? 
that Mike Bone got a game ball eight days ago or nine days ago in the locker room, and now he's firing Clay Helton. So it's a, there's a lot I mean, of weird stuff business. going on. Business it's business. business, yeah. Overall, Ryan, a lot of the conversation over the past couple of years has been just about the national brand of USC. Where does the brand sit right now, and how much work does this administration need to do to kind of build it up back nationally? Yeah, I think the you know the it's a sleeping giant sort of syndrome. I still believe that when people talk about this program being a you know a top ten, top five national college football brand, I think it's still there, and I I feel like yeah. How many Pac-12 conference titles has USC won in the last dozen years? One. How crazy is that? That's kind of insane. But the it, you just need the right coach. It's like there's all this kindling and uh, you know good wood on there. You just need the spark. You need something to spark this, and you can have a blazing fire. And we saw what national brands can still do. Texas is not playing good football right now, but they're still a huge brand. Like they bring something to the table just because they're Texas. It doesn't matter that they go on the road and get whomped by Arkansas. Like the SEC still, SEC still wants them. Oklahoma, whoever it is, those national brands mean something. Doesn't matter if you've been losing games lately or not. So for USC, you hire a great head coach, let him do his job, and boom, you're going to have a, a national brand all over again. Your games will matter. They still matter now, even with the the kind of ineptitude that's been going around around the program. It's still a huge brand, and so they just need the right guy. All it takes is the right head coach. Look at Alabama and how much they were in the doldrums, the late '80s, the '90s. Uh, they had one or two really good seasons in the midst of that, but for a long time, it just wasn't the same program. Now Nick Saban takes over. Nick Saban, obviously, probably the the greatest head coach that there has been in college football, makes a huge difference. But look at the run they've been on. And even if he was 80% of what he is, they would still be the brand yeah. across the, the country because they got a good head coach. They got back to winning. And USC can easily do the same thing. Yeah. Now, USC's football account just tweeted out, thank you, Coach Helton, for all you've given USC football and the entire USC community. Your integrity, compassion, and leadership made an immeasurable impact on every player and staff member over the last 12 years. We wish you nothing but the best moving forward. Fight on. So I think it's a point to make that. And we said this all the time throughout his tenure, but he was such a nice guy uh, interacting with the media. It was a tough position for him to be in just because there was so much uh, criticism about his job day in and day out, but he was always kind to us regardless, and he understood that we had a a job to do. so uh, at least want to give him credit for just being a, a very nice human, like everyone has said so far. He's been great to us over the years. I mean, never turned down for interviews or anything like that. I think he's been, you know, professional. And uh, yeah, we don't wish anything, you know, wish him well. And, uh, you know, I said on Sunday, like, you know, if he wants to have dinner or something sometime, I totally would have dinner. And, you know, be frank with him I and mean, tell him like, hey, you know, I, yeah, I wrote a column that said you should be fired or whatever. We've talked about that many times. Uh, I mean, I don't have an issue saying that, but but I do think he's a you know he's a nice person, and uh, I don't know. We'll run into him someday, maybe. We'll see. We shall see, indeed. Sorry, Shaka, what were you gonna say? I mean, I don't feel bad for the money he's still gonna get, though. Yeah, he's gonna. <laughs> I mean, he's probably still got fifteen, twenty million dollars coming to him. I don't know if so, that much. At least ten, though. It's probably between I ten think and twenty. Yeah, it's probably. I'm guessing like fifteen or so, because there's like both. Like there's a lot of stuff going on with that. But yeah, a couple more years. He's he's fine for now. Like, don't feel bad. I mean, he's set for life, obviously. So. Yeah, let's jump into some questions. Yes. Andrew said, did Whoa. they make Dante Williams uh, interim head coach because he's a good recruiter and they plan on retaining him and not the others? Can I do a little rant here? Go for it. Okay. So this is my thing on – this comes up all the time, retaining this guy, retaining that. When you go in to make a huge decision like picking the head coach, 
the last thing you want to do is, okay, we want you're going to be a great head coach uh, here, uh, you know, Luke Fickle here. We want you to come in, but we want you to keep this guy and this guy and this guy. He's like, no, you let the dude do what he wants. You're like, if he wants to keep every coach on the staff, that's fine. If he wants to fire every coach on the staff, that's fine. You hire the head coach. You hire the guy at the top first. You don't say, well, we have this guy. He's good. You should keep him. Like, you could recommend it. Like, you know, we really think Dante Williams would be a great addition to your staff. He was like, nope, I got an awesome cornerbacks coach. He recruits the hell out. We're like, fine. Like, you hire a guy that's an alpha, that's an A. Like, you don't tell him what to do. You don't direct him on where to go. You say, here are the keys to the Ferrari. Run it however the hell you want. And if he wants to keep Dante Williams, fine. Everything else, screw that. Let him do his job. So I hate when people say, well, are they going to keep this? Like, who cares? It's that they're going to be let the head coach make the choice. That's been an issue at USC. And that's part of the reason why they've been in this cycle is because the people that have had power don't want to get rid of power. We've talked yeah. we talked about this ad nauseum for, uh, I feel like, three years ago, over and over and over again. Um, and I feel like the athletic uh, administration that has come in has, you know, been willing to identify things and say, okay, power needs to go here and move pieces and resources around the way it needs to be because for so long it was like well they don't want to you know they don't want a coach that will come in and rule everything you know they don't want a coach that tells everyone else what to do right they want to be able to tell him what to do right um and th some people felt that's why clay helton because you know he, he's a yes man and he was happy to be there yeah exactly and they could could uh tell him what to do basically and you still ha maintain that power maintain that control so if usc wants to get to that upper echelon, that may be what it takes, where some of those boosters and some of those other people that are in the administration that have been there a long time have to cede some of that power to try to bring back the power to USC versus, yeah. you know, but as I said three years ago or whenever we talked about it, human nature is once you have power, you don't try to ever try to give it up. Yeah, that's so. true. And I think we've seen the administration turn over. There's a new leaf. There's not the same. Yeah fiefdoms or whatever that were going on there. This is now like, I think Mike Bone has a track record, Brandon Zosna of like, we're going to go hire good people and let them do their jobs. Now, I think they hired good people that were around Clay Helton. And I think they had a lot to do with the staff that they had put together. Uh, and, you know, to be fair, I think the administration had a lot to do with the current staff. They might be attached to some of these guys, you know, but I don't, I think it would behoove them to, if they bring in Matt Campbell, or Luke Fickle, whoever you bring in, you let them do their job. Now they can sell them. They can be like, "Hey, so we we this is what we did with Dante Williams. Here's the story. We think he's awesome. He did a great job as the interim head coach and stuff, and like, and make a pitch. But at the end of the day, if whoever the new head coach is is like, yeah, I get it, but I'm doing I'm going this direction. I think you just got to let them do it. Like if you start off some guy's career, uh, you know, if another you know you hire the the master chef here at your Italian restaurant, and you're like, you can only use these ingredients. They're like, no, I'm going to do what I want to do with my ingredients. I'm going to make the dishes I want to make. Trust me, Dante has a good enough uh, reputation around the nation that whoever's coming in, they'll know. You know, he'll be there'll be some position for him. Now, maybe it's not like it is right now at USC where there's a cornerbacks coach and there's a safeties coach. Maybe that is the divide. Maybe he does something a little bit different. I mean, you, sometimes you see coaches move to different positions because they want to keep him on staff. I mean, Johnny Nansen had, what, like four different positions he at USC. Lot, yes. Special teams coordinator, yeah. outside linebackers, running backs. Yep. So, you know, but 
that was Stark's guy. He wanted to keep him around, and you know, then it was Helton's guy, so he wanted to keep him around. So they moved him around to different spots to keep him on the staff and coach a different position, even if sometimes it didn't didn't yeah. exactly fit there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Jeff on Facebook is like, you got to keep Williams. You don't got to keep anybody. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> It'd be good. I think it's probably smart to keep him, but you don't got to keep anyone. You got to hire the head coach. Do the number one job first. Hire the head coach. Do not think about who should we keep. Like, forget that stuff. You got to do the main job. There's one job you got to do. You're the athletic director at USC, at Texas, at Florida State. Your one job is to hire the head coach. Do that. Do not think about who's on staff. Well, he's not going to get along with this guy that's already on staff. Screw that. That has nothing to do with hiring that coach. Hire the damn head coach. Brian energy and, and, the, and then keep Dante Williams. <laughs> yeah. Put it like you know down the road there for Dante Williams. This is an amazing opportunity for him because if he has aspirations of being a head coach, which I think he does. Uh, this is an he gets a ten game yeah. audition. Big you know, it was a huge audition for Ed Orgeron. It helped. You know, he had a horrible run at Ole Miss, and I think he learned a lot from it. And he you know he talked about it in that book and got an opportunity and did a you know. Pretty admirable job. You know, got a win against a top five, you know, 10 team and, and turned that into a national championship at LSU. Now, his tenure there might be limited, but he used that window that he got as the interim head coach to do some cool things and help his career. I think this is going to be, if Dante Williams is on the staff next year, if he's the head, I mean, more than likely head coach, but if, you know, if he's on the staff, if he's a head coach somewhere else, if he's a defensive coordinator somewhere, um, I think this is only good for him. Hey, if they go undefeated and somehow get in the college football playoff and he wins the national championship, I think they might still give him a head coach job. So yeah, let's not say that it's completely out of the realm. My dad's calling. Hey, dad, <laughs> I'm on live. <laughs> we got a question from Steven who said, what are the benefits of firing early in September from a recruiting and hiring perspective? Huge. Huge. From those benefits. perspectives, yes. From a uh, morale perspective, it could be dangerous. Yes. Um, but from those perspectives, huge because one, you know, it's not late in the process. So, y- you know, you can go out and talk with all the agents behind the scenes. You're not feeling like you're rushing, but also with recruiting, it's earlier in the process. So the other coaches can still build those relationships and tell them, you know, what's going to be happening type of thing. Um, and you have a better chance than doing it last minute. And then kids are like, what, what happened here? And then suddenly you have to feel the recruiting class in a much different way. Yeah. And I think if you look at, uh, I mean, what happened to Colorado last year, Mel Tucker leaves, they're left like, wow, it's after the early signing period. You got to go find a head coach. The early signing period changes things quite a bit because you used to be able to wait till the end of the season, early December, and you still got like two months to get the recruiting class together. Well, that's not happening now. Like it's bowl season and you, the majority of recruits are going to be signed. So uh, maybe USC, you know, sometimes USC is like slow to adapt to things. USC is maybe ahead of the curve now that they're firing people midseason because it does give you a lot more time and obviously some opportunities to see how things play out. You know, if you're getting an NFL guy that usually takes a lot longer, I think you're going to see less and less of that because you just don't have the time to waste. But, you know, there's options of guys that are on television in Los Angeles, Chris Peterson or or Bob Stoops. Like those are guys that aren't don't have a job right now. They might be more apt to get someone like that if you're wait towards the end of the season. Now you have a lot of opportunity. You're like, oh, let's see what Matt Campbell does. Uh, Luke Fickle's moving from, you know, well, he's, he's staying at Cincinnati, but Cincinnati's moving from group of five to power five. Is that something that he would want to stick with? Has that changed things? Um, so there's, I think you get a lot of options if you're Mike Bone, Brandon Sosna, and having this much time, 
you're not pressed to try to get, you know, save a recruiting class and all that stuff. So, yeah, I think there's some huge benefits to doing it early. Overall, though, Ryan, you're much more confident in their hiring process versus what we've seen from USC in the past, right? Well, yeah, a million percent. It's just because they've <laughs> done it hiring before. process in the past. Yeah, there was no hiring process. Like, sure. Okay. So, fair. like, USC had a, a search firm for, for Pat Hayden and... If you're going to do a search firm, do you bring in like your buddy, like Steve Sarkeesian? Like, no, you, a search firm is supposed to be go find somebody somewhere else. Uh, sometimes it's to protect the AD2 from like, oh, we never talked to this guy. Well, the search firm did. Um, yeah, it was just sort of a, you know, a, a screen, a smoke screen of like, we're going to bring in Steve Sarkeesian. It's like, uh, he knows how we do things. Like, that's not the reason you want to hire anyone. And I have faith that I'm not saying they're going to make a great hire. I have faith that the pro there's going to be a process in place that they're going to give themselves the best chance to make a great hire. And the fact that he played football at USC is not going to come up. And in fact, I would you know argue like before you would be like, oh, Jack Del Rio, Jeff Fisher, like those names are not going to come up. Like those are not going to be considered. So I, I have so much more faith uh, in what these guys are going to do as far as the hiring process goes. We just had to get there. You just had to get to the point where they could make a hire. But this is what you get paid for. I think they've made some good hires in other sports. And they're going to apply that process to, to this. And I, I don't think they're going to be I, – I think the process they're going to use is, like, if there's a coach right now that's like, has a hot year that was bad, 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 and this year they were, like, great, um, you know, pretty good chance that next year they wouldn't be as good either. You know, they're not just going to get, like, because that's a hot name. Um, but they're going to find, you know, the body of work, what they feel like they could build and, and make the transition from – Whatever, if it's an offensive coordinator somewhere, I think you should get head coaching experience. That's just what I feel right now because USC's not done that. But you want to find, you know, what they've done, how they built that program, um, what was it like before. I feel like they're going to take all of that data into consideration. So yes, I have long, long answer. I have a lot of faith in uh, in what they're going to do as far as hiring processes go. We've got a lot of questions about USC's current offense. Uh, Jasper Smith wanted to know, could Dante Williams come in and change what USC is doing on offense, maybe even adjust the, the air raid that we're seeing right now? I don't think it's an air raid anymore. I mean, he could say, go run the air raid. Like, that might be better. Like, hey, do, do the passing thing that you brought in here for, you know? No, they should run the ball more. That's what they've been successful well, with. They could do that too, sure. <laughs> um, no, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to come in and say, start making some drastic changes to the offense. You, you don't want to do that in midseason anyways. You need to run what you're good at. The problem is they execution-based offense, they haven't been able to to run the stuff that they're supposed to be really good at. Trouble lining up and doing some different things like that. So that's what they gotta get they get locked in on that stuff. So get back to the basics, lock in, but then start adding stuff to it and, and you know, diversify from there. Whereas they've had some struggles getting lined up and different things like that. And before you had a head coach that was an offensive coordinator, that was a quarterback's coach. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Was there is there a kind of difference of, of opinions? Uh, you know, now that you have a defensive head coach, I don't think Dante Williams is going to be in the meetings. Like we need to do this more, we need to do that more. I mean, it might give Graham Harrell some more freedom to do what he wanted. I'm not sure, but we'll see. But um, yeah, I don't think he's going to come in and meddle much. But you might see some different focuses. And and if there was any sort of conflict at the top, I think that will be resolved. We had a question from Greg on YouTube who says, do you think USC should get away from an offensive-minded coach like Helton, Kiffin, and Sark and go back to a defensive-minded coach like Pete Carroll? Again, um, hate these. Like, you want to <laughs> hire the best head coach. You don't want to say, you know what we need? We need a defensive head coach. Like, why? You need a great head coach. If he happens to be a good defensive guy, if it happens to be an offensive guy, I don't care. If you're limiting yourself going, here's what we're going to tunnel vision towards. No, 
tunnel vision. Tunnel, we, we want this or we want that. Like, no. That it's, so if you have an amazing ca- candidate who happens to be an offensive coach, are you going to like, no, nah, this time around, we don't want to do that. Well, he's the best candidate, but you're not going to do it because of his affiliation with an offensive side. No, I think that's a dumb idea. No offense. But uh, no, don't limit yourself. Get the best head coach. I don't care if he's an offensive guy, a special teams guy, a defensive guy, whatever he is, just get the best head coach. So don't limit yourself with they need this assistant or they need to be this kind of guy or they have to enter it. Like, no, get the best head coach. Well, one more question that fits in that realm. Uh, Ryan hmm? Coley said, how important if at all, is it that USC as USC's new coach has USC ties? Super important. Cole. No, dude. Like, <laughs> no, like we've gone through this a zillion times. I feel like he's just trying to angry. You. That's just, that's just, you're triggering me. No, like wow. that should have zero impact on it. If anything, do you ever, so you play baseball shotgun and like your dad might've been your coach at one time or something, or nope. you never had that. Well, if you, <laughs> you know, if that, if that happens, like sometimes you're going to be a little tougher on your kid than you mm-hmm. would be on the rest of the, like at this point, I would be like, if a guy comes in to my office and is applying for this job and has USC ties, he better be better than everybody else. Like, I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to d- exclude him. But he's better be better than everyone else because USC's done that time and time again. You have to get away from that. But if the best candidate, like I'm going to stick to my guns, if the best candidate happens to have USC ties, fine. But he better be the best candidate and not because he has USC ties. Yep. Yep. We had a question from Mark who said, as reporters, are you excited to be able to cover something new now and not have to relive Groundhog Day over and over again or constantly be asked when Clay Hilton is getting fired? Keely is just excited for that last part for her Twitter mentions. It's it was rough for the last couple of years, guys. I'm not gonna um, lie. I mean, so we're reporters. We're not fans. We're not like, you know, never want to see people lose their job. All that stuff. Yes. For our jobs, I will say this is going to be significantly better. There are currently over 1,600 people watching this online right now. Um, it's something different. It's something new, and we do get to do something. And you know, we got a lot of complaints from fans about. Even just, we weren't pressing Clay Helton enough in our questions and all these things. And um, yeah, it's it's it hasn't been as fun to cover the team when you sort of felt like everyone didn't want the head coach there and it just, the same thing was happening over and over again. So I think personally for all of us, and you guys can chim- chime in too, I mean, yeah, I think this is going to make our jobs more fun, better. Uh, it's just, it's going to be something different. You hate that it's a, you know, someone's losing their job over it, but as far as you know, everyone has a job to do, this will make our job more fun and a lot easier. I mean, I think the apathy was hard and it was hard to see just knowing how hard the student athletes work, especially just in the Coliseum, the booze. We talked about this on Sunday, but they can't differentiate if the booze are for them or for Clay Hilton. You know, you want a, a student athletes to be supported by their fan base. So it was hard to see that. So at least that's at least hopefully we can see uh, people supporting their team now. I felt like a lot of times they lost the plot and weren't even rooting for the team that they originally rooted for just because of who was head coach. So the difference will be interesting to see going forward. Yeah, I'm curious to see you know, if the fan attendance changes, if, you know, if they win at Washington State, does Oregon State, is it a packed house? Because there's been a lot of people that have said, I won't go to USC or I've given up my season tickets or, you know, I used to have these for 40 years and I've given them up until Clay Hilton's gone. Well, he's gone now. So will there be a difference? Yeah. I'm curious to see that. Um, I just think it'll be, it'll be different and, you know, it'll be a new environment. So, you know, that's always fun to, to kind of, 
wade your way into a, a new adventure kind of for us. So we'll see how things change and what is different, what is the same. That's all to be determined. We had uh, Eula Eula in the the, the um, comments on YouTube was like, I was ula, about ula, 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 I'm sorry. I was about no to cancel G. my membership to uscfootball.com. It's like, we've, we've, I can't tell you how many emails are like, we love your content. We, I just can't do it anymore. I can't, I can't follow this team while Clay Helton's the head coach. So that's something that affects our bottom line and my ability to hire people like Keely and shotgun and stuff. So yeah, I think it's something that, you know, can be helpful. And so we'll see. I mean, we're running right now. We're running a you know the twenty four seven sports running sixty percent off uh, annual VIP membership sale. If you wanna, if you had canceled at some point and you uh, want to get back on the site, it's gonna be a great time. The coaching search, everything that's gonna be going on, hot boards, hot board recruiting, like everything's going to be exciting. So if you're not a VIP member, uscfootball.com definitely should check it out. We've been around the longest, most insider stuff, insider information out there. So sixty percent off is a is a nice deal. But yeah, so. We're, we've definitely seen that kind of stuff. And this is, uh, you know, coaching searches are always huge for websites like ours. So, and, you know, not having one, but having fans think that you should have one is probably the worst. And we've had that for the last couple of years. Yeah. Andrew said, is there a single coaching candidate out there that would immediately unify all Trojan fans? I thought that was a very interesting question. That is an interesting yeah. question. I saw that one. Um, I don't think there is. I mean, the closest would be like Urban Meyer. Like, yeah, but I still think there are people that don't want to deal with all the baggage there. Also, I have d big concerns, especially if some of those rumors are true about him, about all the issues he's had with the Jaguars. Is like, how long would he even be at USC? Yeah, would it be a two-year thing, and now I got to retire again? Or is that what you want? Some people are okay with that. Can he turn around a program in two years? You know, I don't know. I think he could. But. So, I, I mean, but I feel like there would still be some people that would be hesitant on yeah. that with the past baggage and everything there. So, um, I don't think that there is a single coach that can do that. But I think there are a few head coaches out there that the majority of people would definitely get behind. Yeah. And Urban Meyer's one of them. I think Peterson and Stoops, I think that a large contingent would be perfectly fine with those hires as well, both those guys being in L.A. And it would be really interesting – if one of those guys was to be the choice, when would that hire be made? Yeah, like could you do it mid-season and like get started? You know, like or like or if they, I mean, if you do go, you know, after the bye week and they're hired, do they then take on just kind of a shadow, like uh, Sark did when he took out when he was hired? Yeah, that's and he just stood weird. back and you know, or do they get in there and like start implementing, changing? That it would be very interesting. So I don't. Those are very intriguing names to me just because of that potential uh, storyline there. But there are plenty of other names out there. A lot of people are asking for some of the names. You guys can check out the hot board. They'll have some of them. But one that you know, we've talked about in this room and it kind of divided about is Airbnb. Um, I, I think that's a very intriguing name. As a Falcons fan, I wish he was the head coach of the Falcons right now. Um, but I think that he... From all the, the things I've read about him, he gets along really well with his players. Uh, he's got L.A. ties. I think he went to Bishop Amont is what someone in the, in the comments said. I, I think he coached at UCLA as a running backs coach before, yeah. so he knows the area. Now, there would be concerns, and Ryan's biggest one is. He hasn't been a head coach before. That is a big concern, and also I think there is always a concern when someone going from the pro game to the college game because it's just so different with recruiting and everything. It's 24-7 yeah. versus – 24 seven being in the film room mm. it's 24 seven talking to 18 year old kid or 16, 17 year old kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I would say if Mike Bowen, Brandon Sausen do their homework and they like interview him research and they feel like he's the best candidate, you go with it, you know, but 
I feel like there's a couple knocks against him, you know, coming from the NFL and also never having been a head coach. And someone like that, then you're putting your staff together differently than if you were someone like Urban Meyer. You know, Luke Fickle is the, the obvious name just because of Cincinnati yep. and the Mike Bone had already hired him once and you know he's done an amazing job uh there at Cincinnati. You know, and there'll be other names and stuff that that come up. I like Matt Campbell a lot. I know Mario Cristobal's names come up. Bruce Feldman was tweeting about it. Um, you know, it's it, that seems a little tougher to me just being the the Oregon guy and stuff. Yeah. But he, uh, you know, he definitely boosted his resume over the weekend going into you know the the horseshoe and and getting a win with your two best players out of the game and uh, you know pushing Ohio State around a little bit. So he's going to be his name's going to be coming up for big jobs and. You know, USC is a big job. Not, you know, if Washington if fires Jimmy Lake, like they, they're not going to get Mario Cristobal, you know, or, or like, you know, Minnesota loses P.J. Fleck. That's another name that could come up. Like he's not going to Minnesota, but he could go like to Miami or something, or he could go to, you know, Florida. Like there's big names he could go to from Oregon because you can do a lot at Oregon, but Oregon's never won a national championship and USC's won 11. So there's reasons why he could potentially come if that was something that the administration wanted to do. Mm -hmm. We had multiple questions about uh, what we've seen since Mike Bone has taken over as athletic uh, director. Greg said, how does the department look now versus before Bone? And Alan said, could you be more specific about what's different slash better about the football infrastructure now at USC versus in 2018? It's significantly better. I mean, I would say... I don't think he's made a ton of changes like in the administration itself. Like a lot of the people that used to work there still do. It's kind of the top people that were that the ones that were like kind of running everything and just kind of running it their way. It seemed just like a kind of a country club sort of thing. And that's gone, but it, it feels like there's less um, the power, you know, it's there's guys at the top and they're kind of running things. And, you know, I think they'll probably make more changes kind of as they go. But I mean, Keely, you've gone over a lot of the, you know, from the, you know, just knowing that USC's never played an FCS school before yeah. and, you know, them coming up with and, uh, you know, I think it was under Lynn Swan, like, hey, we're going to, we, you know, we or I don't remember if it was Pat Hayden or Lynn Swan when they did this, but it was Lynn Swan. It was Lynn Swan. You're like, hey, we want seven Steve home Lopes. games every year. Yeah. And that was like a Steve Lopes thing. We want seven home games every year. So we're going to have to play FCS schools and you're sort of just like poo poo the tradition away. And I think you know, Mike Bone came in and heard that and they fixed it. He, they broke that on this show, right? Or was yeah. our, our, the podcast? I don't it remember. It was a podcast. It was a podcast. Yeah. yeah. So he, he told everyone here, we're going to get rid of that game and play San Jose State. So just stuff like that, like he's just fixed or just make it a better recruiting staff or have like a real video team or all, all the things that they've done. Yeah. It's just understanding what's needed. Uh, and what has been lacking at USC and just a real caring <laughs> attitude. You know, I think we can't really say that about the eighties in the past. And so uh, I just, it's just different. We can definitely say it's different yeah. in that sense. Um, we had a question from Steven who said, this is the first firing under the new transfer rules. Does this help the new coach get more players even faster? Yeah. Yeah. A coach could, but I think there's also a danger and I feel like USC might be dealing with this a little bit right now. Again, talking about getting lined up, knowing the playbook. When you bring in several guys, you expect to participate right away rather than being in a system for multiple years uh, and being able to rely on the veterans and guys that have you know, grown up in this system, basically. You're now throwing in multiple transfers and stuff. And USC has had problems with guys lining up and doing some different things like that. So I think there is a little bit of concern there. But you can definitely 
flip the roster a lot quicker. Um, it doesn't take three years like it took Chip Kelly. Yeah. Like it shouldn't take three years at least. Yeah. It did um, for him. It's, it's working, but it took three years. It also, he also like ran like 85 people out of the program. Yeah. And so that's crazy, the number there. But yeah, you can quickly change things around that way. You see a lot with actually with basketball coaches, granted with a smaller roster, but you get three or four or five transfers in and suddenly your roster is your roster. Yeah. Whereas, you know, in the past, it would take a little bit of time to do that. And that's part of the reason why there's such a short, you know, span of time that, Fans and administrations are willing to wait because they're like, oh, you can do this so much quicker now than you previously could. So that plays into it as well. You can do it quicker, but you can also the, – the, the attrition can be higher no matter what. Like yeah. People leave more. It's easier to leave. So if you were – It's it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. You love Clay Helton or whatever, and like, or you're a big Graham Harrell guy, and then and the new coach comes in and gets rid – like keeps the defensive guys and gets rid of Graham Harrell. Like, well, I'm going to leave because he was my dude. you know. Or there's players that you know buried on the depth chart that are like – rejoicing that some of the coaches are going to be gone. So there's, it's just going to depend on the player and their relationship with whoever stays or leaves. Well, we got multiple questions. If the depth chart could potentially shake up now that Helton's gone at the top, I feel like on the defensive side, no, I remember talking to Todd Orlando once and he said that it, it, it's ranked by position coach. And then the whole defensive staff uh, talks about it prior to the first start of the season. But I feel like offensively we could see some things shake up. Maybe. Yeah, I think defensively, like, I don't think Dante Williams was starting, like, you know, Chris Steele and because Todd Orlando wanted him to and he didn't want to. You feel like that's more, yeah. those guys are on the same page, you know? Um, yeah, offensively, there's been definitely questions about the receiver rotation, about, you know, the, you got the two running back thing, whatever's going on, you know, even on the offensive line. Um, I don't know. I, th I think if there's any kind of move, it's probably going to be in that receiver's room because I feel like the, the offensive line played out. They got the guys in there that they wanted. I mean, you you basically benched a, a longtime veteran and put a freshman in there at right tackle. So, uh, you know, if there were some people that felt like Jalen McKenzie should be the starter and, you know, for some reason, Clay Elton didn't want him to be, and now that opens it up potentially. But I feel like that's going to be the same. If there's any change, it might be for me in the receiving room. I don't know. What do you guys think? To be determined? I mean, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like there's any like there were any like handpicked Clay Helton guys and just clearly other people are just straight beating them out and Clay Helton's like no they got to stay in there um, and the process the last couple of years it's felt more and more like the coordinators have been the ones to make the final decisions on you know uh, the playing time and some of the coordinators you know rely on their position coach to make those decisions and whatnot but I don't necessarily think it will be but if it does. We'll have it on the participation charts, which I'll have out from Saturday's game and uh, tomorrow probably. Yeah. We had a question from Michael on YouTube who says, uh, is there anyone out of the Nick Saban Alabama tree that Mike Bone should look at? That was an interesting question because it feels like everyone is kind of out of the Saban tree nowadays. Yeah. Now, I mean, the, the thing is you get, you're getting a Saban guy. You, you hire a Belichick guy because they're around greatness. Like I think at USC, like you just go find greatness. You don't, you're projecting greatness on an assistant because he was around it. I think USC is too big of a job where you have to just go and get someone that's proven. You know? Saban's assistants have done a little bit better than Belichick's. They have, um, but you know they're not. You know you have Kirby Smarts and stuff, but you have a bunch of other guys like who was a dude that just flamed out at uh, Tennessee. I forget um, that they fired pretty quickly, but people flame out there all the time. But there's, I mean, there's a I lot was thinking of Dooley. I was like, no, nah, that's no, Dooley Jeremy was Pruitt. Pruitt. Yeah, Pruitt, Jeremy Pruitt. Um, yeah, there. I mean. 
I don't think you're USC that that's where you, you want to go. I mean, I think that if you are, you're going pretty far down the list. Unless there's some, you know, like, just feel like this this assistant's like the best thing ever. Um, I mean, Tony Elliott comes up. You know, he's a longtime Clemson assistant. Like, that's... Venables as well at Clemson. Yeah. But do you feel like you are on the, already on the record of head coach experience is needed? Um, is a coordinator an option to, for you? I mean, if I'm conducting the search, it's going to be like, that's an uphill climb. Like, they better impress the hell out of me. You know, it's not just because, well, he's Dabo Sweeney's defensive coordinator or he's Nick Saban's. Like, th that's great. But, like, I want to have an interview. With, and I, I, I think you should talk to people, you know, and, and do interviews. And if you feel like, wow, this guy is going to be the next great head coach, then then yes, then I think you could consider it. But I, to me, it's like, yeah, I'd rather get someone that's proven that they can be a head coach because there's a lot that goes into managing a team, being the CEO. And I feel like you need to be able to do that because we've seen great assistants around Clay Helton and it's still not work. So you want that head guy to be the right guy. And USC's just botched those hires so many years in a row. I'd rather you bring in someone that has experience already, if at all possible. Uh, we got a couple questions about what this does for USC's current recruiting class. How much does this shake up? How come it's feel about USC? The do top guy in the class already said he's sticking around, right? Demonte so, Jackson, yeah. which he's a Dante guy. You yeah. Know? The, the, <laughs> the, you know, I talked to him this summer and, you know, I talked to him about his commitment and kind of, you know, what he likes about USC and what do, you, what do you talk about with Dante nowadays? He's like, I occasionally we'll watch some film together or something, but we just talk about life. He's like, that's my guy. We're, they're, they're buds. Um, now, when he gets in his hands as a player, that relationship changes a little yes. bit. But, you know, he's just like, that, that's my guy. That's who, who he loves. And, you know, if he's – if a new coach comes in and he leaves, then maybe those some of those commitments may change. But right now it looks – he's the main one that we've heard from, but – I would say most of the class is sticking for now. Um, and then I think that it'll be a little bit of a feeling out process. They might start entertaining some phone calls from other, other schools if they weren't before and saying, okay, let me see what's out there and let me keep, you know, keep my eye on USC and what is, what's going to happen there. But I feel like a lot of them, um, the recruits, it wasn't just because of Clay Helton. It's not like Clay Helton's the reason I'm going to USC. Yeah. Dante Williams is the reason a lot of people were going to USC. So it's, Another smart reason why you would put him there. If you're worried about losing guys in the recruiting class, I don't think that's going to happen. The main thing that's going to happen, though, with the recruiting class is who the next head coach is. Because there could be guys in the class that the head coach doesn't want, um, you know, or the new staff doesn't want. And there's guys they want to keep. Um, so there's going to be attrition there, too. But the main attrition is going to be when they hire the head coach. We had a question from Taiyi, who said, what will change as far as coaches on the in the box and on the field? since Dante is a coach that is in the box. He's a box guy. I remember asking him uh, after the San Jose State game, because I got to talk to him. I was like, hey, what was it like, uh, you know, the atmosphere in the Coliseum? And he's like, well, I wasn't on the field. I was up in the box. But, you know, or I think it was asked him when that pick six happened, like what it was like. And, uh, you know, he's like, well, I wasn't on the sidelines. I was up in the box. Um, but he was pretty excited and everyone was pretty excited. So, yeah, he'll be down on the field for sure. Um, and we'll see what kind of, you know, there could be some situations where if there's someone that was in the box that wanted to be on the field or vice versa, uh, you know, they can go to the new head coach and be like, hey, I really wanted to be on the field. He wanted me on the box or whatever it is. So um, I think it's too early to be determined. But we do know, like Keeley said, Dante Williams is not going to coach from the box anymore.
Yeah. We got a question uh, from Steven who says, Keely, if you were considered for the head coaching position, definitely wouldn't be, uh, how would you vet USC as an employer? But I thought this was an interesting question just because I feel like the pair style for months was, was saying, why make any improvements? It doesn't matter until Clay Helton's gone. Well, now Clay Helton's gone. And if you are a prospective coach wanting to kind of see what the offense are like at USC, why would you go to a place that didn't invest in the program at all since you became athletic director? It just doesn't make sense. So this is kind of the long-term strategy that makes sense. This is why you make adjustments even when they were trying to figure out the Clay Hilton situation. Yeah, and Keely, the question's for you. So like <laughs> 2018, if they hired you, and you, oh, I mean, if you're like, hey, I'm going to be the first female Division One head coach ever, boom, coming in there, you're like, God, this thing's a mess though. Like I, there's things that I won't even be able to fix even if I do an amazing job where you'd have much more ability to have success if you were hired today. I mean, I, I feel that's fair. Yeah. I mean, support. And the thing that we've heard is that prior to Mike Bone and Brandon Sosna coming into the athletic department, even Clay Hilton couldn't get the support he wanted as far as nutritional staff or strength and conditioning or different assistant coaches. There was a limited budget at times. And now the sense that I get from this new athletic department is that they want USC to succeed and they'll do what it takes to get whoever they need or whoever their coach wants as far as assistance, whatnot. So I think that's the biggest thing is they can point to, Hey, we came into a situation where the head coach was not supported and we revamped from top up down things that the coach needed and we'll do the same for you so that you can succeed. And so I think that's the biggest thing that USC as a, as a athletic department can point to right now. Yeah. So. And I, f I feel like if, if it was 2018 and you were the, head coach and you're like, Hey, I need to hire this guy as my defensive coordinator. Like, no, nah, we, we can't do that. Maybe get someone else this year. And you said, Hey, I want this guy as my defense coordinator. Boom. I think they would do it. So I think, yeah, I think you're right. It's would more, be more successful this year than a couple of years ago. It's about time. Yeah. <laughs> can we be hired? If you, can, if you're the head coach, can we have a job somewhere? I don't know. I'll have to vet you guys. <laughs> Sure. You couldn't call me boss man anymore. You'd have to. We, we'd call you boss woman or boss person. I think you should start calling me that anyway. <laughs> boss, I, I do say you're my boss half the no. time. So. <laughs> uh, Greg had a question on YouTube that said, uh, what is one word you would say that defined the Clay Hilton era? One word. <sighs> Repetition? Yeah. Um, that's a tough one. Underachieving. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's, unfortunately, that's like the USC football program for even before Clay Helton, like, you know, basically since Pete Carroll was around. Eh, no, I got other words for giving and socks. Yeah, I, I think underachieving is... <laughs> mess is, is more Underachieving is fair. Um, yeah, it wasn't a mess. That I will say that. It wasn't a mess. Um, yeah, we didn't get so the, the same kind of scandals that we were getting. Uh, man, there were some, some wild ones. Um, but just underwhelming, maybe. Um, I yeah. mean, it's just very underwhelming. Someone said tape. <laughs> <laughs> What's the word we heard a lot? Yes. Let me let me be honest with you. No, sorry. <laughs> there, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of bingo that we could have played uh, if that was were the case. We had a question from Randy who said, "Do you think Mike Bone has already put out feelers to potential head coaches, knowing that Clay was on a short leash?" Uh, wouldn't be surprised. I don't know that it has happened, but I wouldn't be surprised. You, you at least gotta be like. Just kind of glancing around and seeing, like, okay, what's a buyout here? What's a buyout here? You just kind of look through the, you know, the paperwork that had been, you know, from FOIA information that the newspapers get and put out there when they put the, you just check them out, just getting a feel, yeah, seeing what other buyouts might be right now, comparing, you know, what what it might cost. You got to do all those things before you actually make a, a firing like that. So when there's going to be money owed, 
So I think, yeah, those things have been done. I don't know if they've actually spoken to anyone, but they've definitely probably done a little bit of homework. Yeah, and I think what I talked about earlier in the show, the fact that he was fired after two games tells you a lot. That this wasn't – Mike Bowden didn't go to the Stanford game and go like, oh, my God, this is terrible. What should we do? Should we fire – like that, uh, that thought has obviously been on your mind. Like if you ever had like a relationship and, you know, you get broken up with like the day after Christmas – it probably didn't happen December 26th. This probably was a long time coming. I feel like this they was a long time coming. Christmas presents. You, you know, it's just like, I don't want to, you can be a jerk for breaking <laughs> up before Christmas, so you wait till afterwards, you know, things like that. Um, I mean, so it's sort of one of those things where they've been thinking about this. They've been thinking about the breakup for quite a while. Uh, Their parents get you good presents, so you're going to wait until after Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one too. But yeah, so I think they've been, they've been, They've known this is coming. So if you know that you're you're going to fire someone or you're on the verge of it or there's just one thing has to happen and he's going to be fired, it's not like you're never going to think about who the next head coach is. If if you're Stanford or you're David Shaw, you're like, we're never firing this guy. You're probably not thinking about who could you know be replaced. Uh, good, bad, whatever. Like they're not thinking about it. They were obviously thinking about firing Clay Helton. So if you're doing that, you're obviously thinking about who the replacement would be. We got a question from Coley for Shotgun who says, when strategically is the best time slash month uh, for USC to hire the new head coach? For us, it would be like a few months from now. Like we would, we would like a nice long coaching search. Just personally would be nice. But you know, for you. Not with the question. <laughs> oh, I, I thought that's what they were talking about. No. Okay. We would need a nice long one. I mean, okay. Washington did like a one hour search, right? Like they, Chris Peterson retires and they just, <laughs> Jimmy like gets hired. You're like, oh, you feel bad for the Washington site. Like you had no coaching search whatsoever. Let me simplify this question. Okay. Before or after the early signing period? Oh. Before. Way before. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. No, I think the earlier, the, the better. I mean, you don't need to hire someone tomorrow. You got it. But you have plenty of time to do vetting. The the problem is if you're not hiring one of those guys that's not coaching right now is when do they become available? Because now we've seen every once in a while, Brian Kelly leaving Cincinnati will leave before the season's over. But I find it hard. The candidates that people are throwing out and that USC fans want that they're like, Matt Campbell's not going to leave Iowa state, a top 25 team in three weeks. Like when USC gets their bye week and like right. they've just been really pushing for him. He's like, you know what? I think I'm just going to leave now and go to USC. Like that's not going to happen. So if that's the guy they really want, you got to wait all the way to December. Um, and you got to see. I mean, or it could be announced and it's like, hey, he's going to coach mm. out the string and then leave for the bowl game or whatever. Like there's, there's potential. Coaches there to... don't want to do that because then you're, you lose your team that you're coaching at the time yeah. and they want the records that they have there. Plus the bonuses they'll get, you know, if you win a certain amount of games, because I think he has a bonus or maybe it's Fleck that has every, every eight games they win, they get a bonus for every win beyond eight games. Oh, nice. So, you know, it's like $50,000. So if your team is bought in, well, you're gonna get extra $100,000 or whatever. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of money from USC. So and You still get money on the way too. Yeah, but I, I think, I mean, the, you want to keep everyone's contracts and all that stuff, but like you just, the earlier you can do it, the better. That you yes. know, the, it, and if it's just an announced thing versus a coming on thing, um, you know, we've seen that happen before too. We reached almost an hour of our show, actually past an hour. So, yeah. any final rapid fire questions? Get them in right now. We got a question from Tr Trojan Trojan who said, "What is the standard protocol when a head coach is fired? Doesn't it usually go to the offensive coordinator?" There's no set standard, really, uh, of who it goes to. I mean, we've seen special special teams coordinators when the the Rams fired. Uh, their, their last coach, it went to Fossil, the special teams coordinator. So it, it can go to anyone. 
Um, a position coach is a little little bit different yeah. than but than than a, a coordinator. But the difference here is that Dante already has the title of associate head coach. They get in that over the off season, so you know he's already got head coach in his title. So why not just slide it slide over associate and put interim in there? You know, yeah, you can do that. And I think you know it's not a standard formula. And the fact that USC the last couple times they've done this, they went with their offensive coordinator, you might want to just get away from that. Like, uh, and you know, if the, if the offense was like clicking and crushing it, then maybe you would get Graham Harrell, but, um, well, two times ago, they went Orgeron, which he was, he just a defense line coach. Uh, when he, his kid was Monty was already gone. So the Orgeron one was after Clay Hilton was already the interim the first time, right? He did the bowl game. It's so hard to keep no, it all. He, he did the bowl game for, when Sark was coming in. Okay. He when did, okay. Orgeron. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's so many interims. <laughs> USC is pretty good. I feel like with this the has interims. happened before. There's been a lot. Yeah. We had a question on Facebook, completely unrelated to this, uh, but still related to USC football. Jeff wanted to know when do you think we're going to see Ishmael Sopcher on uh, playing? He was not dressed on, on Saturday. So, again, he's got to continue to make strides at practice. And we have seen some guys that have made strides. Solomon Tulealapupu yeah. got his first action. Uh, so that was awesome to see. So he's got to get out there and, and practice. That's the biggest thing. I mean, and especially on the defensive line, Corey Farman was limited last week, didn't practice much. He didn't play much. He yeah. only played two snaps, I believe. Um, so you got to practice to be able to play. And especially that's something Vic Soto in particular has said in the past. It's like, I need to see these guys practice. They got to prove themselves in practice to earn any playing time. Yeah. So. Just seeing practice more. Dedicated, asking a football question on a coach firing day. Hey, good, whatever good, works. nice, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, Jasper Smith wanted to know: Will Keaton Slowis pull a Sam Ellinger and leave for the NFL now that his coach is gone? I mean, I think that's a lot different than Sam Ellinger was after the regular season was over. Yeah. This is yeah. I don't. I don't think Keaton Slowis is not going anywhere. Um, and his coach is really Graham Harrell. So, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Steve wanted to know: Does this mean Shotgun will cut his hair now? <laughs> My hair was not tied to Clay Helton's. My hair would be much longer if it was tied to Clay Helton's tenure. It was funny. Yesterday, we did the Clay Helton Zoom. And for whatever reason, the little camera that I normally use when we're on the Zoom wasn't working. So we have an overhead camera, if you want to put that one up. On sure, the, actually, yeah. So it's, you can see, like, all of us, like, on this. So we're on the Zoom for Clay Helton, and you could see all of us. And I don't think these guys realized I so switched that camera. But, but Shaka didn't have his hat on, didn't, and just the hair was big. <laughs> so I don't know if people were commenting on it but i think they were mm -hmm. uh we had a question sean mcveigh do you think usc could actually pull him away why would the rams get rid of him why would he leave the rams like you're exactly the... i asked the question for yeah people right uh, <laughs> and we're just answering i mean Snarkily. he's someone that you know doesn't have college experience he's a successful nfl head coach i i don't think you he would leave for college but maybe someone else wanted to or something yeah but then you're like yeah but i mean there were I mean, Arizona went with Jed Fisher was on his staff before. You know, there was there was some of his staff that were mentioned when USC was looking for offense coordinator as well. So you know, maybe that's somewhere they look, but I don't I don't think McVeigh any there's any reason why he would want to leave the Rams. Why I don't yeah. know why he would want to. Alrighty, guys, I think it is time to wrap this show up. Whew. One that we did not expect. No. We wrap one up on Sunday. Well, Literally, you, you want to go with the positives and negatives of every candidate possible? No. <laughs> Keely's just like dri like drive like a caller, and she's like, "I'm driving to the studio." I'm like, oh, "Are you guys doing like?" A she's like, "No, we just figure we're going to do something." I'm like, "Okay, I'll drive in too." Like, let's of just course. go. Yeah. I called you five times. And of I course called you in were three. Not no, answering. not available. Yeah. 
It's yeah, classic. like little behind how the sausage made little behind the scenes. Like I go, I don't have my phone for one hour. I went to go get a massage. Like literally, so you don't have your phone. <laughs> the only time I don't have my phone on me probably lasts like two weeks, and I had one hour, and that's when this all broke down. So like, uh, what are you gonna do? I mean, did you really? not see the game on Saturday? <laughs> I did see the game. Does it mean I can't go get a massage? Like, take I, your I, phone I, with you. No, it is, but it's like you know, you don't have it on you. It's like in a pile in the corner of the room. You better turn the volume on. <laughs> Well, it's too late now, but yes, yeah. I thought it was interesting. When... But yeah, these guys are calling me, blowing up my phone. Yeah, I was, like, I was driving. I, I was on some like out, like like off road thing with my computer out. It's off crazy road? times. Yeah. yeah, it was like a little. These, like, these are thing. like just nutty. Like these are nutty times. I can't tell you how many texts from friends and stuff. Like, look, I'm sorry, I don't have time to discuss Clay Hilton being fired with you. Like, I have to like work. Like, this is like <laughs> this creates a lot of work. Like, we're not going to be sleeping much. This is going to be. You know, for a quite a long time. Well, so, that means you yeah. have to call your dad back, Ryan. I will call, yeah. I'm like, dad, he's going to be like, Ryan, did you hear that they, <laughs> yes, yes, dad, I, I heard. I, 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 this is my job. I did hear that. Yes. He, he might not know that you, you're not at a massage right now. <laughs> True. Your dad if, knows you. It'll be one thing if, like, I literally get like two massages a year. Like, I don't, I'm not, like, some people go like once a week. I'm like, I never go get a massage. I just pick the stuff. Like, ah. Oh. Terrible. I mean, when they replaced Sark, I was in the shower for like ten minutes. I come out and I was like, "What just happened?" It just the it always happens. Yeah, I was driving. I think like I think it was like Cowherd that texted me. Like we were like, uh, "He's like Sark," and I'm like, "What?" And I'm driving like, "Oh gosh, okay." Like this is uh, crazy stuff. Crazy stuff indeed. Uh, we have a lot to cover this week, so make sure you stay tuned to uscfootball.com. We have practice reports, coaching hot boards, and we have a sale. Ryan, tell the people. 60% off VIP. So you get a year's worth of VIP access, uscfootball.com. The pair style is the busiest message board out there. It's been around forever. I've been doing this for a long time. It's got all – I mean, it is going off. Like I posted something. Five minutes later, it's off the page just because there's so <laughs> many people talking about stuff right now. So get in there. If you sign up, make sure you go on the pair style. Mix it up with the people because there's some there's some crazies in there, but uh, it's a it's an awesome deal. Make sure, I think you're gonna love the, the the content and the access that you get. So uh, we got the best team uh, covering USC by far. If you go to the calls, we have five people at the game to cover it. You know, LA Times has like one or two. Like we we have these stuff covered. Shots. I'm just saying, it's it's different now. The websites are doing this. So get in there, <laughs> sign up, and uh, we love the people at the LA Times too. Shotguns an LA Times guy, so maybe that's three. Was what? Oh. Okay, whatever. <laughs> He's an LA Times guy. Alrighty. Uh, I love Bill Kla Plasky too. So we'll, we'll probably great. see him. At, I, we'll probably see him at practice this week. I'm assuming. Just madness, yeah. madness, madness, madness. We, uh, well, we also have film study coming up in the next yep. day or so. I've got participation charts, so we'll look back at what happened in that Stanford game and what are some small things that maybe they can fix going forward that you know really eluded them in that game. So we check that out on film study and then I have participation. So we'll see who all got in. Along with Solomon Tulalpupu, a couple other guys made their debuts as well. We nice. will also be back on Thursday to preview USC's matchup against Wazoo. Make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, if you're on YouTube, please hit the like button and subscribe. We're so close to 12,000 subscribers, so please help us over that there, edge. Yeah. It really helps us out if you do that, and we love providing you guys info. Alrighty, guys. Crazy emergency tunnel vision. Clay Hilton is no longer USC's head coach. Uh, stay tuned. It'll be an interesting ride going forward. That's Ryan. That's Shotgun. I'm Keely. We'll see y'all on Sunday. Or Tuesday. Thursday? What day is it? Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. Today is Monday. Ah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Alrighty. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Bye. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.